This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on silver skies. And you are. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on the first Friday of the new year. I want to thank you so very much for the gift of your time. Super excited to be joined today uh, by Fred Fox. Fred Fox is the brother of the legendary Canadian epic iconic Terry Fox. And given that the show expands to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads, I'm just going to plug a little bit about Fred specifically before turning it over, as I always do, to unscripted dialogue. So who is Fred Fox? Well, what I can tell you about Fred is that he is a former provincial director of the Terry Fox Foundation in British Columbia. Fred inspired and worked with volunteers from 1994 to 2001 and witnessed firsthand the impact his brother's legacy had on countless supporters in cancer research. Today, as manager of supporter relations in the TFF National Office, Fred is responsible for managing relations and partnerships between Terry's family, the Terry Fox Foundation, and its stakeholders, including volunteers and donors across Canada. Fred speaks at schools and community events throughout year to share his personal story about growing up with Terry and some of his memories of his brother's journey during the 1980 Marathon of Hope. Fred is very passionate in his role at the Terry Fox Foundation and never misses the opportunity to thank the many volunteers that have made the foundation the success that it is today and who are responsible for keeping Terry's dream alive for 36 years. In addition, together with his siblings, Fred works tirelessly to help oversee and protect Terry Fox's legacy for future generations. Fred is married to wife Teresa and father to their three grown children, Terrence, Kirsten, and Aaron. To date, over $725 million has been raised in Terry's name. Over the past 36 years, these funds made an indelible impact on research and have fueled much of the advances made in the fight against this disease. So, Fred, welcome to my show and Happy New Year. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. It's great to be with you this morning. Well, I certainly appreciate the gift of your time, and uh, it was very important for me to have you on my show. My show is all about living fearlessly and empowering other people, and uh, I couldn't think of a better way to introduce the new year going live on my radio show than to have someone like you uh, to to be here with us today. So I want to thank you for the gift of your time. You're very welcome, and it's, uh, you know, just re- reading the bio, and mainly about... Uh, Terry, and it's so hard to believe that it's uh, been 36 years, and actually, in a couple of months, it would be 40 years since Terry was first diagnosed with cancer. Wow, really hard to believe, and you know, I have to say, the first time I learned of your brother's name was when I was, I believe, five or six years old, and so when I think of how young I was then, and how much has uh, been actively going on in his name, now, fast forward to my own children. I have an eight-year-old and I have a six-year-old, and now they're bringing home registration forms for the Terry Fox Run and uh, pledge forms. It's just—it's amazing how the legacy of your brother has been able to continue, and with force, great force, I would say. 
Yeah, you, you know, and we, we owe that. Uh, our mom would say often um, that we owe that to to back, you know, back in the 80s into the 90s, uh, the parents and grandparents who who saw Terry run in 1980. And now, um, you know, it, it's those children and, and inspiring their, their own children. And um, uh, I, my passion in what, what I do is I have a great opportunity twice a year to, to travel across Canada and, and visit schools. And I'll, I'll be away for four or five weeks at a time visiting schools in the spring and the fall. And, I, and I'm now... You know, back 25 years ago, there'd be still maybe a few students there that uh, were old enough maybe to remember Terry. But now I'm meeting, you know, teachers and parents who weren't even born in 1980 and and sharing Terry's story. And and we owe so much to Terry's legacy to um, to educators, to people who share Terry's story to their their children. It's it's an amazing legacy that... uh, um, has been the responsibility of so many Canadians and, and now people all around the world. Amazing. Well, when I told my children that I was having you come on radio, they're like, huh, what? Are you serious? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, this has been something that's been going on year after year, and it just continuously builds momentum. And unfortunately for the amount of people who are personally uh, directed and impacted by cancer. I can tell you personally, Fred, both my mom and my mom's sister, they being the only two siblings, they, they're now deceased as a result of, uh, breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer specifically, both having been diagnosed at 44. So, you know, when one person, regardless of who it is in the family, receives a diagnosis, this is something, as we all know, impacts the entire family. And not just the family, entire, it impacts the community on a global level. You know, it's it's a rampant, uh, precarious disease, and maybe you can share for us, Fred, you know, with you working so closely with people in the field of cancer research, you know, what development strides have been made? Well, you know, you're exactly right, and, and uh, you know, we're all, we're all inspired for different reasons and why we're involved with the foundation, and as I mentioned at the top, that, you know, it's been going to be 40 years, and so Terry was first diagnosed, and uh, he was the first, uh, the first person I ever knew that had been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, and then and then you know all these years have gone by, and and uh, as a as a family, as our our family, we experienced that experience again um, with losing our dad to lung cancer uh, almost a year ago in March of 2016. So. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the, all the benefits and all the research that's happened over the last. 36 years uh, because of what Terry did in 1980, our dad wasn't able to benefit because of a, of a late di- diagnosis. And uh, But dad would be still the, the one, as along with our mom, who would say that you know, it's so important, as Terry said, we'll all be touched by cancer and it's important. But there has been, there's been great strides um, made over the years. Uh, you know, the money that the foundation raises today goes to the Terry Fox Research Institute and they are uh, so um, inst- instrumental in um, designating money to researchers across this country who are making great str- strides. And just a couple of the examples that we use, and, 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 and you know, Terry wanted to raise money for, for all kinds of cancer, not just the one that he had, osteogenic sarcoma, bone cancer, but, but all kinds of cancers. And, uh, but we use Terry's cancer as a bit of an example 
Terry was told in 1977 that he would maybe have a 15%, 20% chance of surviving, and uh, um, he had to lose his right leg. Well, today, you know, all these years later, somebody, a young person diagnosed with that same kind of cancer is probably the, the, going to be told they have a, a 80% chance of survival, maybe more, and a good, very good chance that they're going to be, they're not going to have to lose a limb, a leg or an arm or whatever, wherever the cancer has been diagnosed. Childhood leukemia is is the same thing. Back 40 years ago, the prognosis wasn't very good. Now it's up into the, you know, the high 80s, 90s. So, um, um you know, not only money has been raised in Terry's name, but cancer research uh, is what, what we need to do is to improve these outcomes. Absolutely. Well, I'm really impressed to hear those stats and relieved, actually, as I'm sure the families would be for those of their loved ones who are receiving those types of diagnoses and, you know, and obviously looking forward to what is the prognosis, you know, what is the quality of life going to be? What are the options for intervention and for treatment? So when you share that with me, because I don't know the ins and outs and the intricacies of, of to what degree advancements, in fact, have been made. So, I'm really, I'm really relieved to hear that. And, you know, my question to you, Fred, would also be, you know, do you believe or did Terry believe, you know, that there would ever come a day where there actually would in fact be a cure for cancer? Um, you know, back, back, you know, 40 years ago, I think that was always the belief and that's what Terry believed. Um, you know, he, that was his goal. Uh, when he, was first diagnosed and, and, and had to take his treatments at Vancouver General Hospital and, and, uh, was in, on the hospital ward with kids younger than him. He was 18 and he was on a ward with kids that were 8, 9, 10 years old and, and he'd go in there for a treatment and, um, you know, a week late, the next week come back and that child wasn't there anymore and that, that impacted Terry in such a way and so that's what inspired him and, and what, in, inspired him was he wanted to find a cure for cancer. He wanted to eradicate cancer completely. Mm-hmm. Um, here we are 40 years later, and I, I mean, I think that's always going to, you know, we always want to think that way um, to find a cure, but I think even researchers and doctors are saying today that um, cancer is going to be like many other diseases that, that have happened over, over, the, over the years that it's going to be something that you're going to live with. It's going to be treatable. Um, you take medication and, uh, and, and that's how, you know, maybe down the road it's going to be, be looked at. It's just going to be something that you'll, you'll live with and with through medication, you'll, you'll live a, a long and fulfilled life. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think, you know, that was always Terry's goal is to find a cure. And, um, whether that's in the cards, um, you know, we don't know at this point, but, but every day, every day, young researchers, People who have been at it for many years, that's their goal is to find that that Mm -hmm. cure. Absolutely. And do you have your own personal reasons, Fred, uh, as to why you might believe cancer is so pervasive and why it affects and afflicts so many people statistically as it does? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't. I mean, you know... Who, you know, whether it's environmental, whatever it is, you know, how, how, what we're eating, um, you know, what's in the, who knows, but, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, you know, there's so, there's so many, uh, ways of, you know, people, you know, the, the way they're, you know, doctors are, and, 
and uh, people are able to discover it as well. I mean, you know, it seems to be so prevalent out there now, but, um, you know, I think the way our uh, medical system and uh, has advanced, you know, it's easier to detect these days, and hopefully it's easier to detect at an at a earlier um, stage as well. So people, uh, the earlier they're, they're diagnosed, the earlier that they can get to it, the, be- the better chance sort of uh, a, a better prognosis. Absolutely. Well, something I often do on my show, Fred, with guests, regardless of the subject matter at hand, is, you know, I try to for the purpose of, um, you know, offering as much different levels of insight uh, and perspectives as possible for the listening audience, again, bearing in mind that this show reaches 145 countries, um, you know, I play devil's advocate quite often with my guests. And so to the degree that you feel comfortable for the people that we know, and it could be with any particular subject in this world that can possibly be spoken about. But when we talk about conspiracy theory or we talk about the sector or population of people who might be inclined to believe uh, that there is, in fact, a cure to cancer, uh, but it's not being released or it's not being admitted to or acknowledged for the fact that, you know, it's it's a huge money making industry for the pharmaceutical companies. What do you have any thoughts about that, or what would you say to somebody if you disagree with that? Yeah, I, I, like I, obviously, I am gonna say that I wouldn't agree with that. Um, you know, I, I just see every day how hard uh, um, you know volunteers work and fundraisers work to raise money for cancer research, and the researchers. I you know very obviously very closely connected. Uh, through through the foundation to the research community, and I know how hard every day and and um, you know to say that there's a cure out there and and uh, it's not been released because it, you know it's a way of making money or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's those researchers or pharmaceutical companies that they've obviously lost people to cancer as well. So there's got to be a motivation for people don't want to. Um, Good point. else anymore. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. no matter what it is, politically or whatever, that uh, everybody's got a, uh, a theory that uh, goes against the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I asked that question not only for the benefit of, uh, you know, extrapolating the subject matter for the purpose of our listening audience, but I'll be honest with you, when, when my, when I was touched with cancer in my family, uh, and, you know, my mom, in her case, she was a bit of an anomaly. She was aggressive, uh, upon initial diagnosis in 94, and, she traveled quite extensively, so there was always a new host of doctors and oncologists and, and medical teams surrounding her uh, wherever it was that she lived at the time. And they all said that they regarded her as somewhat of an anomaly uh, because statistically, if you were looking at stats primarily, uh, she far exceeded uh, what timeline or prognosis she would have normally been given or anybody under those circumstances would have been given. So she actually had a good extra 20 years plus, uh, about 20 years, I think, in addition to the date of initial diagnosis in, in September of 94. And so I'll be honest with you, you know, when you grapple with that as a family year after year and you're looking upon every single year as this could potentially be the last year, the last birthday, the last anniversary, the last Christmas, the last whatever, you know, I'll be honest with you, there was a, a time where there was a, a, a portion of myself who quietly thought, is there a cure? Like, 
can these many people be impacted? Could this be such a, a pervasive uh, systemic disease and knowing how many people are afflicted? Um, is it possible that there is a cure out there? So I throw it out there for my own benefit, uh, too, or just to acknowledge and admit that that was something that I had secretly, quietly thought about myself, just to take ownership for that. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I meet, I have a wonderful opportunity to meet so many people uh, uh, across Canada, um, and, and people are, aren't shy about coming up and, and sharing their personal cancer story, and uh their cancer story about, as, as you say, a, a, you know, a loved one who, who they've lost. But so many of those stories turn out to be, you know, my, my, my mom or my, 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 our daughter was diagnosed 20 years ago. And if it not for, for money raised for cancer research, for what, not what Terry did in 1980, they wouldn't have had the, that 20 extra years. Uh, you know, because of the research that's been made and, uh, because of what Terry did, you know, we had, we had that family member for an extra 20, 25 years because of the research that was done and, and allowed them to, to live a fulfilled life. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's impactful to hear that, um, um, and Ter- Terry would be so, so proud of, of what's happened across this country and around the world. And, and you know, and as you say, he's got, so many uh, countries listening in, and many of those countries, I'm sure, host Terry Fox events, and and uh, Terry would be so proud to know that uh, so many people uh, have, have have just taken on that challenge that he gave us in 1980 to continue his dream to to improve the outcomes of a, of a cancer diagnosis. Absolutely. Well, you know, and again, given that the show does expand to 145 uh, countries, and although, you know, from where I sit, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that doesn't know Terry Fox, doesn't know the story, doesn't know uh, the journey, the marathon of hope, et cetera, et cetera, and what has continued uh, since his passing. But I, I do want to, I do want people to know. I don't want people to just sit here and start Googling as we're talking. So for, pe- for people who are not in the know about who this iconic, beautiful soul was, you know, we know that he ran close to 26 miles a day through Canada's Atlantic provinces. He was in Quebec. He was in Ontario. Uh, you know, even his preparation alone. I mean, he ran, I don't know, was it three, four thousand miles in 18 months to prepare for all this? Yeah. 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 No, he, yeah. He ran, uh, uh, from St. John's, Newfoundland to just outside of, uh, Thunder Bay, uh, east of Thunder Bay, um, you know, three, over 5,300 kilometers, 3,339 miles. And, um, it, you know, it, even thinking back now, you know, uh, knowing I do uh, and did. Um, we were only 14 months apart in age, um, the older brother. And and um, you know what I like to share to, to young students is Terry was. They might think Terry is a hero or some this amazing athlete or a physical specimen to be able to run that kind of mileage every day, close to a marathon every day for 143 days. But Terry would be the first one to say that he was just an average uh, Canadian kid. Uh, had the same dreams as anybody else. He was just—he was just more determined. He was—he—he he worked hard. He—he uh, he knew from a young age. I saw it from a young age. Terry had to to scrap and fight for everything he had because he wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, and and that's just the way he was. And um, you know, could never have imagined when he was 
12 years old that he would have uh, impacted a country and brought us together in in a common goal of of making a difference and uh, uh but he was inspired and and that's the way Terry was did it, it didn't nothing came easy and and we certainly know that running those miles on uh with an artificial leg uh certainly wasn't uh easy but he he got up every morning because he was inspired by other people well, it's nothing less than remarkable and, in my opinion, miraculous. I mean, the, the spirit that one has to embody, the passion, the level of commitment, you know, the vision for what lies ahead, regardless of what he would be here to see come to fruition as we're sitting here talking almost 40 years later and the amount of millions of dollars that have been raised and the fact that, you know, this fundraising event is in every school uh, across Canada every year on an annual basis. I mean, do you believe he had the magnitude or the vision back then to realize it would eventually take on what it's become? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Terry could ever imagine that. He, he probably would have hoped to, but he, um, you know, he said during the Marathon of Hope when he was in Newfoundland, probably, you know, two weeks in, and he had a really bad day, a bad morning, and he, and he, Terry would journal every day, and he, and he wrote in his journal, about how, you know, how bad, you know, he had, he had, he had faint, uh, he fainted a little bit and wasn't feeling very good, but he, but he, he asked himself, you know, do I quit now? I'll, if I do, I'll be letting so many people down. And then he, and, you know, he, he, he wrote that he went back out there and, you know, and continued running and, and that he wanted to set an example that will never be forgotten. And, and I think that's what Terry's done, especially for, for young people. And that, you know, Terry was all about wanting to make a difference, um, in, in people's lives who have been diagnosed with cancer. But Terry could never have imagined the impact that he's, he's had on people young and old. Um, you know, go, inspiring them to, to overcome their own challenges. And, and to, to young people, when I get a chance to, to speak at a school assembly and, and share that, you know, Terry truly believed that anything is possible if you try, and and he would be so proud to know that um, um, if he's you know all these years later he maybe couldn't have never have imagined, but he would be so proud to know today that yeah you know, he for a different reason he's inspired people to go above and beyond that anything they could have ever imagined uh, uh, just like he did. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, Fred, that you don't believe that Terry could have understood the scope or the magnitude of what this all would have resulted in, you know, if we dissect that a little bit, and I, this isn't a show about religion uh, per se, but, you know, have you felt in any moment, any particular moment, quiet moment, or anybody else in your family has perhaps mentioned, you know, that you feel Terry's presence and that you feel that perhaps he's somewhat cognizant in the way one can be if, you know, whatever your beliefs are when somebody departs this realm of existence and moves on, whatever that may or may not look like. Do you, do you, have you ever had a feeling intuitively or spiritually that led you to believe that perhaps he was maybe aware of what's going on? You know, I, I, I yeah, it's funny. I, I think I feel Terry every day, um, especially where I'm sitting today in our in my office, and I'm surrounded by Terry. And I know, you know, uh, our mom felt that Terry was always guiding her. When mom was uh, when Terry passed away in June of 1981, um, it was Canadians that wanted to continue this thing, wanted to continue Terry's dream, and mom was kind of thrust out there into the public and and to 
to carry Terry's story to, to schools and communities. And, uh, and she always felt that Terry was guiding her. Terry guides us every day to make the right decisions when it comes to corporate sponsorship or how, you know, Terry believed in such grassroots principles and values. And I feel Terry, really, I do. I feel him every day that, um, um, every time we have to make a decision, we, we think, well, how, what would Terry think? And, 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 uh, and so, you know, I feel him every day and I know he knows that, uh, um, so many Canadians and people around the world have, uh, uh, done him proud in, in what he started, uh, you know, 36 years ago. Amazing. So, you know, given that this has turned into, uh, you know, corporate pretty much, um, you know, when you're no longer here, I imagine this is, has this become pretty much an all-encompassing family-type business with other people being drawn into the fold to actively participate as membership to this? Like, I'd be curious to know about succession planning. So when you're not here, Fred, when other members of your family who perhaps work as equally tirelessly as you do, when you're not here, and, of course, there's nobody that's more motivated and impassioned to keep the legacy and the memory and the spirit alive of a family member than the family. So what, what what's the future of the Terry Fox Foundation? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not all that comfortable with uh, it, the reference of a, it's a family business because it's 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 it really is. And, we, you know, the family's been there to, to – um, to oversee, you know, Terry's name and his image and all that, and and uh, to be involved in the, any way we can. But you know, I, I'm there's so there's so many people across this country that work for the Terry Fox Foundation and that uh, have made an impact. And um, like I mentioned, our mom and and our dad, they they you know they they were the ones when you know my brother Daryl and sister Judy and I were. Younger in our twenties when all this was going on and, and raising our own families and as a family we did what we could and, and, uh, mom was so instrumental along with Isidore Sharp and, and guiding the foundation to where it is today with so much help from, from other people and, um, you know, this is our first year without both our mom and dad and, uh, so this has in a way been passed on to, to Daryl and Judy and I, and we've been involved for a number of years, and uh, and and have learned so much through our through our especially our mom and, and what you know trying to and, and knowing we need to follow Terry's values, and um, we we've, we've got children. There's um, Terry had Terry has nine uh, nieces and nephews, and um, wow, you know, and and, it, and it's and it's it's funny, you know, that you, you bring this up and it's not, but it, it's so important because, um, that's, we are, we are working on that. Uh, my, I've got a daughter who works for the foundation in the British Columbia office and, uh, one of Judy's daughters also works here in the national office. So, and then, but all the, but, you know, half a dozen of the others, uh, uh, of our children, and collectively are also very interested in what their uncle did and, and so we're we're working towards that succession plan and, and making sure that when Daryl and Judy and I aren't here that there's still going to be those Fox family uh, values that uh, are going to be protecting Terry's um, Terry's uh, legacy uh, for years to come. 
Fantastic. Well, I want to say, Fred, that you know you're quite right to correct me that it wasn't the proper usage of words to describe what the foundation is uh, by making reference to it being a family-run business. It got, it, yeah, that was taken out of context and perhaps not delivered properly. But uh, you know, getting to the spirit of what Terry meant for you, I mean, and everything being kind of inspired and catapulted as a result of the family initially wanting to transcend this and to keep this going and to keep the momentum building but obviously it's taken on a life of its own which is why there's other people who are drawn in outside of internal family members so i appreciate you for the listener's perspective uh correcting me on that thank you no and you know and and i think i think we all like we know that if the family was smaller and uh um we we were all gone i think so many Again, people like you've mentioned a number of times, just um, uh, appreciate so much what Terry did, and uh, th- I mean, this is the, the Terry Fox run continued today because of other people, because of Canadians wanting to keep uh, what Terry started going, and I, I don't think there's any doubt that if there wasn't any Fox family involvement, this thing would uh, still continue. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not under, you know, maybe there would be things that would be different, but uh, I think the Terry Fox run would, and foundation would continue forever. Amazing. Well, I have no doubt about that myself. Uh, you know, it's uh, your brother has resonated with millions of people, and as you've cited, it's not just a Canadian event. This is now taken off and trickled down into many other uh, countries who are getting on board with this. Mm-hmm. So from a logistical standpoint, you know, because I'm also looking at this from a business perspective as well as uh, you know, talking about personal empowerment, uh, tying that in with my show, Living Fearlessly, which clearly your brother has demonstrated that he's exemplified that, he's magnified that. Uh, and I believe all you Fox family and everyone who's attached to the foundation uh, are. Um, so congratulations to all of you and thank you to all of you for your tireless contributions. Um, but from a, a business perspective, like if you want to just – when it comes down to the timing in which everybody across the board is handing in their pledge forms and, you know, and it goes to, I imagine, head office, I'm not quite sure exactly the logistics of where it goes to, how long does it take administratively to go through all the paperwork and to count up all the monies and to process all the checks and, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's quite, uh, like I've been there, done that by myself when I was, um, uh, ran the, uh, the BC office, uh, in the 90s. And it's, a, it's, uh, quite, quite a hectic time for, and, uh, uh, lots of hard work, lots of volunteer involvement in the offices. But you can imagine, like, you know, the, the Terry Fox run and, and, and the, and the foundation itself is pretty grassroots. And, and the, and the, and the donations that come in are pretty grassroots, like, you know, $5, $10, you know, $20 donations, especially at the school levels. And um, and a lot of this money is coming in um, with buckets full of, of coins and change, and and the offices are very busy. So it, it there's a lot of um, uh, work involved in, in depositing the money, getting it in there, getting pledge sheets uh, reconciled, and... And then sent off to uh, um, be receded, and I think every year we've gotten better. We've gotten better at that. So um, we're kind of at the, that, of course, tail end of it. We're 
believe it or not, still our offices right across Canada are still chasing schools uh, that, that have had Terry Fox events, but they haven't seen any, um, haven't sent in their monies. But um, but it, it's a it's a process that starts, um, you know, middle to end of September to probably end of December into January as far as getting the receiving out and all that. Wow, that's quite the undertaking. <laughs> it is. But again, flipping that around, you know, because there's a, there's a positive in everything, and the whole what's happening and what continues to generate monies wise, knowing the cause and where it's going towards, uh, that's excellent. Because obviously, the longer it takes to process all this, that means that you're getting incoming funds uh, to support all this, which is fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that have uh, over the years, as technology has uh, improved, um, so. More than I mean, every year we this increases, but the the ability to for people to make online donations as well, so that kind of streamlines the whole um, you know manually counting money and manually um, you know having to reconcile everything. A, a donation is made online, you automatically get your receipts and all that. So uh, a lot more schools are doing that as well, as well as uh, people who are participating in a community event and they're collecting. Pledges and from their family and friends, they can create their own um, uh, fundraising page and uh, create with stories and uh, pictures of family members if they want, and and do their own fundraising that way. So it's really um, streamlined a lot of a lot of work that the offices have to do as well. Thank goodness, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, let me know if this is correct. Is it is it correct, Fred, that more than eighty five or eighty five cents of every dollar goes towards funding uh, finding a cure for cancer? Is that accurate? Eighty five cents on the dollar? Yeah. yeah, I think we might be around eighty four right now. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, and that that's always been again one of Terry's. You know, Terry left. Terry knew that there would be a Terry Fox run or a, a run in his honor and his name before he passed away in June of eighty one. The very first one happened a few months later in September of 81, and and uh, he set many of the guidelines, and a lot of them had to do with commercialization and all of that, but also he, he truly felt it was important to keep costs down, and, um, uh, you know, that's why even during the Marathon of Hope, you know, the, the van that they had, the, uh, uh, so much stuff was donated to cover uh, costs. No, no, no money that was raised in 1980 was used to cover any costs, and... Uh, so that was very important to Terry. So we're pretty proud as uh, mm-hmm. an organization that we are that we can we can still keep uh, the, the fundraising cost, the ratio as low as possible, and uh, to go to cancer research where Terry wanted it to. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So some questions I would have for you as well, Fred. Um, you know, on a personal note. So, you know. Clearly, you would miss every single aspect of your brother. That goes without saying. For anybody who has a sibling, I'm very close to my siblings. Uh, one who I only get to see once a year left yesterday, and I, I I felt his absence immediately. So, and that's just knowing that he's returned home, and I'll eventually see him again, hopefully throughout 2017. But knowing your brother for for who he was in a way that nobody else can outside of your family and of course every relationship even within the family is unique and specific to itself so what do you miss the most about your brother terry oh wow um yeah and you're right <laughs> Fam- families are, are 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 different and uh 
Um, you know, we, our our family is no different than any other family. And but I, I you know, again, my um, if anybody out there has ever seen my presentations at schools, it's about Terry and I. I mean, it's about Terry, but it's a uh, it's about Terry and I growing up together. A lot of it, and, and sharing stories about what you know what I witnessed. And uh, but as I share in those stories, is what I miss most about. Terry is is what we did when we were kids. Um, you know, again, we were only fourteen months apart in age. We did everything as from the time we were together, as from the time we were babies to to our late teens, and and um, you know, building forts and playing road hockey and and uh, uh, taking inner tubes down the Coquitlam River, you know, hundred yards away from where we lived, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, it, it's it's a kid stuff. Picking blueberries, mom and you know, mom and dad. We where we lived in Port Coquitlam at the time. Um, no McDonald's, no Tim Hortons to work at. Mom and dad said, you know, just because you guys want a set of golf clubs or a or a, a new bike, you know, we're not gonna we can't afford it. We're just not gonna go buy it for you. So Terry and I picked blueberries and so, for three summers as as teenagers wow. and and uh, you know walked over to the blueberry fields maybe with you know eight nine dollars in our pocket, but. But again, that work ethic that we were brought up to uh, to value, um, we were able to buy those things. But I'm, those days in the blueberry fields, uh, in rain, in the hot sun, kibitzing around, throwing blueberries at each other, those are the days <laughs> that I, I I remember remember so much. And, uh, Lovely. And, yeah. So it, you know, just growing up as a kid, those are the things that I I uh, always reflect back to. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy that you have those fond memories of your brother. And, um, you know, I don't know if you can answer this because, I mean, the age that Terry was, I mean, everything that happened to him happened so extremely young, unfortunately. And, you know, being at that age of 18, you know, you don't really know who you are necessarily. It can be a very confusing time as an adolescent and, you know, new responsibilities or expectations perhaps placed upon you as you're getting, you know, further into adulthood and approaching 20, uh, you know, having to maybe perhaps have your life figured out in one regard, or maybe that's the inherent expectation or pressure we put upon ourselves. But knowing your brother for who he was, whatever conversations you may have shared in together, did he ever give you insight into before, uh, pre-cancer, what his goals were, what his aspirations were, what he envisioned for himself, what his other interests were? Um, you know, Terry, you know, we, we talked a little bit for sure uh, beforehand. I mean, Terry was, here, here I am at Simon Fraser University. Um, this is where the Terry Fox Foundation National Office is. We, we were able to obtain an office up here at Simon Fraser University. Um, 40 years ago, right now, Terry would be in his first year of, uh, of university at Simon Fraser and, uh, going, playing basketball. Ne- never, ever could he ever imagine that he'd play, be playing university basketball. And, and one of the stories that we tell is he came up here in the fall of 70 or 76 and tried out for the basketball team and made the junior varsity team. And, and the coaches would tell our mom and dad that Terry, Terry didn't belong. He wasn't that good of a player, but he he showed by example what you can accomplish. And we we couldn't cut him because he he made every one of these other kids that we had recruited from across Canada that much better. Terry was up here to to get his teaching degree. He wanted to 
he wanted to be a be a high school teacher, a, a phys ed teacher, and and uh, that was his his goal. He was he wanted to educate and lead and and set by by example for for young people in you know through his teaching career. Um, you know, unfortunately that that didn't happen, and uh, and then, but I still think today that in a way Terry is still through through what he accomplished in 1980. He he's still doing that. He's doing that even though he wasn't able to do it. Um, you know, personally do it. He's still doing it, and that was the goal. I'm sure he would have gotten married and had a family, and and been no different. You know, his, his dreams and his aspirations would are, are no, would have been no different than than one of his siblings or any any anybody else his age. Mm-hmm. So that was his goal: is to be a, an educator. Well, I I think he already aspired to do that. You know, perhaps not in the traditional sense of of you know actually being a teacher in the classroom setting and having a roster of students and being part of their graduation ceremonies. But I think more importantly than that, I think he has been uh, a pivotal, instrumental, true definition of what I would say is an educator, is an inspirer, is a teacher. I mean, he's taught things. Uh, and he's emitted things to all of us um, that I think far supersede what one can even actually be taught or learn in a in a classroom. You know, looking at it from a generic perspective, and you know he and you can't teach those things unless you embody them yourselves. I mean, he had heart, he had spirit, he had tenacity, he had gumption, he had you know, lofty visions uh, for the collective, you know, not for himself, but as you say, going back to his uh, original being in the hospital and being surrounded by children who are younger than himself and seeing them one day, not seeing them the next, and being truly impacted by that. I mean, everything then that came afterwards, that was for everybody else. It wasn't just for Terry Fox. And what we all know about Terry and the fact that he even spearheaded this, initiated this, felt a calling to do this, um, I mean, you you can't exemplify teaching more effectively or more powerfully, I believe, than that. I mean, he is a teacher and a leader by example. Oh, for sure, and 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 we and we see that. I mean, he's part of uh, it just just his his uh, legacy. I mean, his his story is part of uh, the you know curriculum in so many schools now. And uh, no, and, Ter- and Terry Terry learned like, and we were taught that you you you, learn, you we're going to make mistakes, and uh, uh, we learn by our mistakes. And ter- one of the things that Terry often said was. Um, even during the speeches, as he was making his way across Canada, he he said, you know, maybe when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, all I, you know, I was a teenager, all I, you know, cared about was myself and what I had and what I looked at like and, you know, the possessions that I had. But but getting cancer made me a more caring person. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing other people going through, through struggling through their diagnosis, it, it really changed my life. And, uh, uh uh, and, and I and I want to do something about that, and you know, so that itself is a, is a lesson to, you know, to make different difference in other people's lives. And, and uh, you know, Terry, you're right. Terry is uh, teaching uh, young people every, every day uh, about setting goals, and um, uh, it, you know, you can make anything happen if you if you work at it. Well, and I think you know, I think what uh, what underlies all of that, what underscores that more importantly regardless of goals, 
everything that you aspire to do comes from an inherent belief in yourself. So, and I think that's something, you know, students, you know, whether we're in it, and it's not age specific. There's no ceiling for this. I think everybody who has the gift of life, the gift to be here, you know, if we walk away having learned nothing else, you know, love yourself. Love yourself and believe in yourself because nothing else really can derive out of that if there's a lack or there's a void or you're stuck. Um, and certainly there can't be an example to, to spread forward, you know, authentically anyway. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the gift of your brother as we all are and, um, you know, just beautiful and you know i can't say enough about your brother uh as as i'm sure you i mean you would be his first cheerleader rah rah for sure um but as well as yourself i'd want to ask you the same question too fred um so pre-cancer before this all happened and it morphed into the marathon of hope what were your goals what were your dreams what did you envision for your life Interesting. I, you know, um, post-secondary education wasn't in the cards for me. So, um, um, an athlete played a lot of different sports and all that. So, got you know, it's the seventies. So, got out right out there in the workforce. So, um, you know, I would really, you know, it was, it was a funny. It was a different time for me. Um, um, I can't say that I really. For me, I had these lofty goals or, or um, plans for the future. Uh, you know, I, I worked and met my 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 wife, and uh, we've you know got three children. But you know, who could never have imagined um, you know post or pre diagnosis of Terry's diagnosis what where I would be forty years later. And I've done a lot of things. Um, uh, before I worked for the BC office and in, uh, for the foundation here in, in the Coquitlam area. Um, I've done a lot of stuff since in between coming back to the foundation in 2009. So, um, but I think since Terry's diagnosis, where we've always, whether it was Daryl or Judy, um, we've been drawn back to the foundation. We've been always, you know, th- this was our, you know, for a lack of a better word, I'm not. You know, I, I hesitate to say it, but maybe this was our calling as well as to mm-hmm. do what we can to continue what Terry started in 1980 and to be involved. And um, uh, whether it's Daryl with the, the the Terry Fox Research Institute or it's Judy and her work with the international runs, um, we're so very passionate as uh, you know any of our children are as well. So. You know, I may not have had very many goals for my future back uh, 40 years ago, but I, but um, you know, we're we're pretty passionate about what we're doing today. Well, as much as everybody, uh, you know, the focus and the emphasis because of what this was all birthed out of comes and it's attached to your brother's name, but I would like to personally thank you and applaud you and other members of your family and your direct team and crew. Um, you know, because I mean, what a, what a testament and tribute of love, uh, that you've maintained and put forward and shared with the rest of the world as a result of getting behind maintaining, uh, your brother's legacy. So for everything you do for everybody else who's impacted by cancer and, 
I don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody who has cancer. I just want to say for what your contributions have been, Fred, for the spirit in which you deliver, uh, for the way that you get up every day and you hit the pavement and you interface with students and you go to these schools and you talk at these assemblies, um, you know, and you have these goals as a foundation uh, for the betterment of the collective. I just want to say what a selfless paying it forward, being of service, wonderful human being you are. So I personally want to thank you, and I'm quite sure for what you've described about your brother and the spirit we can all we can all clearly see emanated from your brother, uh, he would be probably more proud of all of you. Yeah, yeah. I thank you very much. And you know, and and th- this all goes back to our our mother. I think, um, like I said earlier, she was kind of thrust out there in the public in in 1981, prior to the very first Terry Fox run, and um, that was never. I'm sure if you if you had asked her what her life goals were in in you know in the 60s and raising her children, whether she she ever saw her doing what she she ended up doing, and and so I think you know she inspired her children, Daryl, Judy, and I to, to to be involved. She, you know, were obviously involved because of what Terry did in 1980. But um, Mom is the one who encouraged us to be involved, to be and and and, and at our at when at our at our pace when we were ready to do it because uh there's you know you know we all were comfortable at different times and and just dealing with the fact that we we took a few of us a few years to accept the fact that we we lost a brother and 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 just and and knowing that you've got a brother who um uh, has impacted uh uh not only cancer research but has impacted a country and and just dealing with that so but as mom would say as well, I mean, mom received so many deserved, um, um, recognitions for her work and continuing, uh, her son's dream, but she would always, as we, I guess we do, but she would always say it's got nothing to do with our family. It's, it, it, it you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Canadians, uh, and, and their passion for Terry and, and, Commitment and dedication to to continuing his dream. Um, it, it's Canadians that have have made the work that the foundation has done over the years um, uh, a success, and, and certainly um, to a lesser extent to what our family's done. We're, we're there, and we're proud and happy to share Terry's story, um, and because uh, we think it's it's what we should be doing. And uh, mm-hmm. so there we are. Well, beautiful. Well, again, I can't thank you enough, not only for that, but for the gift of your time, especially the first week back. You know, everybody's everybody's off the hook trying to play catch-up over the holidays. And uh, so the fact that you were very gracious with your time, and, and what an honor, Fred. I mean, my kids are going to be so jazzed to hear our interview, and I will play it back for them on the podcast, and I will certainly be sending you the podcast uh, once I receive that myself. And I just want to say, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know, I feel super blessed, I feel super touched, um, you know, because to your brother's name and now the Terry Fox Foundation and the legacy, you know, it really has become synonymous with 
my childhood and my entire life and now it's it's going on and carrying on through my children and I still get to be a part of that even though I'm long done school myself but to to be a part of that and knowing they get Jones for Terry Fox Day and you know yeah. and 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 understanding you know the, the the teachers have done a phenomenal job uh really educating people on who Terry Fox was, what Terry Fox stood for, and all the gains and the benefits and the advantages that have come from what he spearheaded and what he felt a calling to do. And now what you as a family and other people, donors, uh, volunteers, etc., have gotten on board uh, to be a part of. And um, so I'm just, I'm really proud to have this interview with you, and I'm, I'm grateful to all of you, grateful to your brother, Grateful to you, Fred, and other members of your family and other upcoming members of the family who are probably going to, in the future, play a pivotal role if they're not already. So I just want to say that you're a phenomenal human being. And, you know, having worked prior in social services, you know, there's something that was often said that's very important to practice and to be cognizant of, which is, you know, who takes care of the caregiver. So... As passionate as you are, which I'm all about passion, and I certainly, uh, you know, live, breathe, and sleep that myself with what I endeavor to do and what's important to me. But for you, Fred, and your family members, you know, um, I hope you're taking care of yourself, and you know, I hope that you're being patient and kind and appreciate uh, to the degree that you are only human beings, and you already have made a phenomenal impact, and you've made unbelievable contributions uh, for everybody. So I just want to say that I wish you well and your family well, and I hope that you take care of yourselves and just know that you are deeply, deeply, immensely appreciated by millions. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, and I, I would absolutely love to have you come back on radio if there's any new developments. And, and you know, maybe very quickly, because, of course, I'm all, always unfortunately cognizant of time and having to wrap up much sooner than I would ever want to. Um, but, you know, is there anything new on the horizon with the foundation, or is it pretty much doing the same thing on an annual basis? Yeah, you know, we not a lot, not a lot changes um, between anniversary years. Like, you know, so the next anniversary year, of course, will be in um, uh, 2020. So, um, but but with Canada's 150th um, this year, you know, where the foundation is hoping to uh, to do a few things related to that. But um, you know, there's always there's always new things coming on, and and it's a lot of people across the country and Canadians who create different events. And so there's always something different coming on, but, but our focus is always um, the Terry Fox runs it, it themselves in communities, in schools, and uh, in other and other different small events that people put on. But, uh, yeah, we're hoping to, to be involved with the celebration of the 150th anniversary of Canada's birthday and, and stuff like that this year. Amazing. Amazing, Fred. Well, I just want to say once again, thank you. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Uh, you know, it's really lovely to be connected to other members of the Terry Fox family and to know what goes on behind the scenes that perhaps the general public might not be privy to and really gain a different perspective of 
other things that are just as equally important outside of Terry Fox specifically. So for the degree that you have comfortably shared with us and showing up to be a part of this, I want to say thank you very much and love and gratitude to you and your family. And to the listeners, I want to thank you once again for tuning into my show, Living Fearlessly. I go live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. If you have any show topic ideas uh, or if you would wish to perhaps appear as a prospective guest yourself, kindly reach out to me at either lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com or my website, lisamcdonaldauthor.com, and I would love to connect with you. Wishing you all my best. Have a phenomenal, safe day, an amazing weekend. Love to everybody. Take care and all my best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. Visit her at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.